everyone. Welcome to Novel Finds, the podcast where we talk about your favorite books, our favorite books, and everything in between. Hey, what's up? I'm Maggie. And I'm Julia. And today we have uh, two guests, the first being Francis Van Gansen, who is one of the amazing people that work at Uncharted Books in Chicago, Illinois. What's up, Francis? Hello. How's it going? Good. How are you? Well, can't complain. You know, it's a Saturday. <laughs> yeah, you really can't complain. Let's just dive into it. Yes, I'm ready. Perfect. Uh, I absolutely love that Maggie pulled Uncharted and was just like, we need to talk to these people uh, because I'd never, I live in Sacramento. And so I just like have no idea of the bookstores in Chicago, but it sounds so cool. Can you tell us a little bit about Uncharted and what like the big draw of the bookstore is? Yeah, so we are one of Chicago's used bookstores. So we're technically a used and rare bookstore. Um, We also identify as a leftist bookstore, which I think really as a trifecta of things is pretty strong. So um, together really well, (laughs) right? So um, yeah, I guess the draw for us. I mean, I think Chicago is an interesting city just because there are so many like really beautiful and incredible bookstores. And like, you know, I think I'm trying to figure out like what makes us like unique. I think the used used book part is definitely sets us apart. But also what I mean, what we want, since we're a pretty small staff is like, ideally, it feels like going to like a bar where like, you go and like, you know, the bartender and like, you just get to like chat with like the bartender that you love and like your neighbors, except we're just like shilling books so it has yes. that kind of like, it's clearly small. If you come here enough, you know that only two people work here. Like, I feel like that kind of like fun DIY spirit is what makes us like unique or stand out. I don't know. Not that That's there awesome. aren't other great DIY bookstores, but I think we're one of one of a, a beautiful community. Yeah. Heck yeah. I saw on your website that Uncharted also accepts like author submission, like books if they bring three to five copies, like you'll put it in the store. Do you have a lot of people that do that? Yeah. So that we really, we have some local stuff on consignment and that's really my favorite little area and going to be one of my pet projects this summer. But I love the zines and the local stuff just because I've been one of the first places that I like made friends when I moved here was in the zine community just because it's like probably the nicest, like most like regular kind, like you can walk into like a zine thing and make a friend like so quickly. And I feel like that energy is my favorite of all energies. So having the zines, I think is a really big part of our ethos. And like just being able to kind of walk in and consign something, I think really gives it this sort of like, this is your bookstore, not just my bookstore. Like we all get to be involved in a different way. Yeah. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. So if I like wrote a book, I could bring it to these guys. Mm -hmm. I haven't written Mm -hmm. a book, so I'm not going to, but I have (laughs) the the chance. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I feel like I'm literally begging people to bring their zines like every day. Like people are like, well, if I made a zine, could I bring it? And I'm like, literally, I'm writing your email down I'm gonna email you in two weeks ask you how that scene's going like that's perfect everyone needs someone like that we try (laughs) being a a used bookstore I mean I've walked into a few of those myself 
And there's usually like multiple copies of books and stuff. Is there a current book that is like really sought after at Uncharted? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's really fun. And to be honest, something I really missed when we were closed was like kind of keeping my finger on like the pulse of what everybody's reading. Because mm-hmm. you can't, like, I follow a lot of like online book communities and like, they're great, but it's very much driven by like the publishers whereas I think that like there's this kind of effect that happens where there'll be a book that's really hyped and I'll hear about it a lot when it's hyped and then if it's actually good I'll hear it about it like in like six months after that time and that is like very unscientific very like for example like where the crawdads sing that was a really huge book and I heard a lot about it when it first came out but it's one that I've continued to hear a lot about and it's continued to sell through. So I would say that that's one that I'm like, well, that's probably actually good. Sure. That makes sense. That book definitely, like I haven't read it, but over the summer, multiple ladies in my family were just like passing it to one another. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, okay, have fun. (laughs) I read that book last summer. So did you love it? I didn't love it as much as a lot of people do. (laughs) I really enjoyed it. I think I'm really going to enjoy the TV show that they create. The woman who wrote it, it's her first ever book. And she is a scientist or like a nature lady. And you could definitely tell in her writing, Mm -hmm. which was super cool. But I felt like the plot was a little bit flat. It mostly revolved around like a very neutral love triangle. I liked the style of the writing, but I didn't feel like the plot was there. Well, you know, I'll say, I think that what you've just said makes a lot of sense because I think that there's this kind of phenomena with big books where if people feel like they're learning something, they are more likely to rave about it because they think it has like an intrinsic value. Hot take. But I think that that (laughs) makes sense in terms of like, if it's like sort of like generally enjoyable and people feel like they're getting like this like nature lesson from it, that that would be a recipe where it would just like, just demolish every book in its wake. That makes sense. That makes sense. Cause then people are like, I didn't waste my time reading. I Mm -hmm. learned something from this. Which like, mm-mm. you never waste <laughs> yeah, your time reading. Time reading. <laughs> what you want. Yes. But yeah, I definitely see that where like, I think that like people sometimes if they are not totally sure what their relationship to reading is, the like sort of like school instigated like, this book is an important book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Industrial complex, I think kind of takes over. So that's something that I see a lot where people are like, oh, well, like I've just heard like, you just like learn a lot about it, like a lot from this book. And I'm like, that's great. I'm glad you're getting something out of it that you find out Yeah. So. I love encouraging people to read whatever book they want to. I saw a post probably on Pinterest, but from Tumblr, where it was basically where it was just like, you know, if someone hasn't read this book and everyone has read this book, normally the response to it is, oh my God, I can't believe you read this book. And it's like, it kind of makes it kind of negative a little bit. But then the post was going on to say, you know, if you go more on the, the line of, oh, you have quite a journey ahead of you. I hope you enjoy it. And just kind of leave it at that. It has such a, a positive impact. And I feel like that that is pretty cool, you know? Yeah, I think but, you yeah. sent that to me. You must have because I've seen that too. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so funny. Uh, so Francis... I literally learned all about Uncharted through Maggie and through the website. 
And I have to ask, what is the Adventurers Club? I know it's closed right now because of COVID, but it looks so cool. Yes. So that's our back room. It's actually where we are right now. So I'll, uh, I'm showing showing the camera. Basically, it's like a, it looks like if you're like really cool, eccentric uncle, like had a study and like you, it, like you didn't feel weird in there. Like that would be like you were sneaking into his study and then he came in and was like, oh, it's so nice to see you. Like that's the vibe. I agree. That, that's is amazing. 100% the vibe. <laughs> where are my eccentric uncles at? Seriously. I'm waiting. <laughs> Maybe it's a, like, you have to become the eccentric uncle, you know? Perfect. Like, you, you're like, oh, I can fill this niche. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Adventurers Club is the back room of Uncharted. Yes, so we were having it be, we tried it out as a co-working space, kind of pre-COVID, and it was our event space. So the Adventurers Club, like, the idea was that you could like get a membership and become part of this sort of like club where you got to hang out in the back room, kind of like a salon situation. And I think that we're kind of rethinking that like moving forward slash going into COVID. But that was kind of the idea, like that there could be this place that you could like come back that would not be a coffee shop and that would not be like a co-working space TM Mm -hmm. that would you were like people could work on their like writing and like there would be other people working and like you could come back and play a game like just a place to kind of like definitely a community space sort of and it's so that was that was our thought I think yeah it's been closed for a year right now it's kind of a book storage area which is not really its final form but that's what we're hoping going forward to kind of bring that that vibes that that vibes bring that vibes so cool bring it back (laughs) (laughs) I love that now I need to find a bookstore like that here right are there how's Sacramento for for bookstores? So admittedly, I haven't been to a lot of them, but there was one that I went to in like Oak Park, which was, is like a staple of that part of the community. It's run by this like lovely, lovely black woman where like, I honestly, I read about the bookstore on the website and like had seen a picture of her. But then when I was there, like getting a couple of books, I didn't even realize that she was the owner and she was just like talking to me. She complimented my hair and I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. Oh, good. Uh, But it's, it's, uh oh shoot now I'm gonna have to look up the name of it but it publishes or not publishes it brings in black authors or like um, authors of color and like that is the the draw is to have like a specific place for black authors to have their books which I thought was so cool cool. definitely so that's the coolest one I've been to there's also a used bookstore I've been to called The Bookworm, which was also pretty neat. Yes. Good name. Solid, mm-hmm. solid bookstore name. Yes. Yeah, yes. definitely. Just like Uncharted. You try. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> uh, so we hear that there's an employee of the month. Uh, <laughs> yes. Thanks, guys, do. Can you tell us about that? Well, yes, we have like this very important employee who has never done anything wrong in her life. Um, she's very perfect and beautiful. Um, her name is Ramona and she's a dog. Um, she works at the store most days. She is a fluffy white dog. We think she's a small husky. She is a, a little menace in terms of like 
ever like you can tell that she works at the store because there's fluff like just girding the bar- the bookshelves and there's like really not much to be done it doesn't particularly like to be swept yeah so that you know that's really a draw for us I think oh um, my dog oh my goodness yeah, I saw the little dog in the corner of the website. And and then I saw like, you know, Ramona Quimby around the dog. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I wonder if they just like that quote. And then when you were like, oh, her name is Ramona. I was like, oh, it's perfect. Yes, I think her, her full name, and you should ask Tanner, is I think it's like Ramona Quimby, age eight, flowers, McAdams, McSwain. It's like <laughs> a six name dog. All right. Okay, we'll have to ask. <laughs> I know I got some of that wrong, so I'll have Tanner correct me when he he comes on. I love it when bookstores have dogs. There was one when I was living in New York, the drama bookstore. It was, um, they had a dog and every time the dog wasn't there, they had to put up a sign that was like, I'm not dead. I'm just resting because people would get so panicked when the dog wasn't there. People will definitely do the like swing the door open. Is Ramona here? And when I say no, they're like, cool, bye. And just like (laughs) shut the door. I'm like, okay, I understand. (laughs) That is a vibe in itself. I, yeah, like I can't say I don't relate, but it is funny. Or like people who come in and they're clearly looking for her. And I'm like, you're not the first and you're not slick. <laughs> like, I see what you're doing here. Let mm-hmm. me just tell you. Right. <laughs> That's amazing. So working at a bookstore, obviously you probably love books, I would assume. Do you have a favorite book? I mean, you know how that question is. Yes. yes. You know, that. What is your question. current favorite book? <laughs> Well, I, okay. So I do think I have a favorite book. I just, okay. I, I feel bad not prefacing it with there are other beloveds. Um, oh yeah. So my favorite book is probably Confessions of the Fox. I brought it back here. Ooh. Um, okay. I've never read that. It's the best. Uh, okay. It's, it's not the best book, but it is the best book for me. It is. Okay. It's so good. It's, I think that like, it's one of those books that like, you know, you know that you love it more than like anyone else will ever love it but you also know that other people will love it Mm -hmm. kind of deals so it's basically like the the idea of it is that it's like an 18th century manuscript that's like a lost manuscript that's being annotated by like a professor so have you guys read a lot of 18th century literature it's fine if you haven't in college i've read a lot but yes yes so i took like an 18th century lit class and i like weirdly loved it and this is like, he's like a trans mask author and he's writing it as like a like lost manuscript that proves that like Jack Shepard, who is like the jailbreaker, like the guy who breaks out of jails all the time, who's like a pickpocket, is like trans. And so it's this like trans professor annotating this like lost manuscript that like proves blah, 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 that, that he is a like historical trans figure. And it's just like so good and funny and so sexy and like it's paced and there's this really great interview that Jordi Rosenberg does where he talks about writing it like a thriller so like he has a lot of genre chops that you can like feel like is this in like sort of like an incredibly intellectual book that that uses like genre tropes to be really like fast paced and engaging because it's like a heist novel, like they're breaking out of jail, like it's a love story, like it's just every good trope. And then it's also like the most just thoughtful, intelligent, just like beautiful book. And then at the end, I like wept 
So like everything I ever could have wanted in a book. That is amazing. That sounds so good. I want to read it now. Oh it's my gosh. so good. And it was so, it, I, it was, it came out like three years ago, maybe. And I feel like it didn't get, no, it came out in 2019. And I feel like nobody, Whoa. like nobody talked about it. People did. But like, I've just been throwing this book at people for like <laughs> three years now. And I just don't think enough people have read it. It, it's a little, it's definitely spicy. Like I wouldn't have my mom read it. Like it's actually pretty spicy. There, there is some stuff in it. Okay. Heat <laughs> level is high. Mom, don't read this book. I just feel like if I handed this book to my mom, we would have to have like a weird conversation. So we will not be doing it. It's like, I was talking to my girlfriend who was like, I love Detransition Baby and my mom can never read it. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Some books moms cannot read. They're just, it's just better that they don't know. Yes. Can you give us the name of it one more time? Yeah, it's Confessions of the Fox by Jordi Rosenberg. Perfect. All right. I'm adding that to our list. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to talk about, about Uncharted or about your favorite book? Is there anything... (laughs) Open forum. What do you want to say? Oh, open forum. Oh, no. I think that's everything. I mean, I love working at a bookstore. This just reminded me that there was at one point someone who came in who like kind of condescendingly asked me if I'd like gone to school to work here. Like if I had like gotten a degree degree to work here. And I was like, yeah, I did. I literally do have the degree. But anyway, that was just a, a, tra- a digression. It just reminded me of things I like about working in a bookstore. I would have good regulars and then the malevolent customers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> will you do us a favor before you go? Will you yes. just let all of our listeners know, especially for those who are in Chicago, um, what your hours are, where you're located in case they're interested in checking it out? Yes. So we are up, up in Andersonville. We're on Clark Street by Hopleaf. Um, and our hours right now are Tuesday through Sunday, 11 to 7. Uh, we're still taking book donations. We're hoping to buy books in the future when things are less insane. So we'll keep you posted on that. But if you want to bring us books, great. If you want to talk about books, great. I Yeah, we're, we're a pro-loitering bookstore in better times. So when once you're vaccinated, you can bother me all day. Thank you so Thank much, Francis. So yeah, of course. While we are changing out interviewees, I just want to take a moment to say, I love Uncharted Bookstore. It is hands down my favorite thrifty bookstore that I've ever been to. Francis is so knowledgeable. They know the store so well. They've always helped me find books. Just if you're in Chicago, please go there. Like 100%. If you're looking for book conversation or help finding a book or really cheap books, go to Uncharted. Also, if you're in Sacramento... I looked up the name of the the black owned and operated bookstore. Yes. Underground books in case you wanted to be confused between Uncharted <laughs> and Underground. Um, but Underground Books is super duper cool. You should definitely check it out if you're amazing. Julia, thanks for looking that up. Yeah. I was feeling like really guilty about, you know, pushing up this bookstore and then just <laughs> and then not knowing the name on the name. Hey guys, welcome to part two of today's podcast. We are sitting down with Tanner, the other person who works here at Uncharted. Tanner, I you started Uncharted Books. Hello, I correct? did. Yes, yes. Uh, I I opened it in 2012, and I 
right now it is just me and Francis and my dog. And so, yeah, we're here all the time. Thanks for uh, working with us to do it in two parts because we're both here at the store and, you know, one of us will work the front desk while the other person will come back and do the, do the interview. So we, we appreciate you letting us do this format. Of oh my course. goodness. Thank you so much for being flexible and like, and, we, and, and it's great because we, we really hate each other and don't like talking to each other. So we can just like <laughs> be in, in different room. We don't have to be in the same room at the same time. It's great <laughs> to do it this way. It helps when you have a, a one room bookstore. It, yeah, it's, Dana. it's good. It's good. It, I, I always recommend hiring your enemies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> whoever you like the least is, is going to do. I, I hope it's obvious that I'm joking. And, and yes, it is. Okay, yeah. cool. Hi. Hey, welcome on. Thank you so much for being here. To sort of kick it off, Uncharted, we talked about in the beginning of this episode, is a thrifted bookstore and a rare bookstore. That's right. Um, how did you kind of get the idea to do both of those things? Have both always been a passion for you? Uh, no, not really. It uh, it definitely started as just a used bookstore. Um, mm-hmm. We, as you, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what all you and Francis talked about, but we started out in Logan Square, which uh, is a neighborhood here in Chicago that has undergone a lot of changes over the years and um, eventually kind of became a neighborhood that although we loved it very dearly and had lots of roots in it, it was not really affordable or sustainable for us to continue to have the store there. The, the building we were in was, was kind of literally falling apart around us, but, but we had started out as just used books and the, the initial stock for the store before I even opened it was just, I would go to thrift stores, you know, four days a week and go to library sales and, and things like that and just find things that, that I thought looked good, like good books to, to fill the shelves with. Um, and then as we went on, people would bring in books to us. We would have book buying days and folks would bring in whatever we had, whatever they had they wanted to sell. We would go through it and choose what we thought would be a good fit for the store. So, so initially the idea was it was just a used bookstore that, uh, that really curated our selection. So that was a lot of what we kind of tried to build the reputation on was we just have the really good stuff. And as time went on, the, the really good stuff that people would bring in also turned out to be fairly valuable stuff. Um, so we would get a, a mix of, you know, the, the vast majority is still what the vast majority is now the the kind of normal used book stock that's that's good because it's you know it's it's literary it's it's it's, there's something interesting about it but we would also get you know modern first editions we would get you know something signed all, all kinds of different things and it's it's a little tough to sell rare books in a like brick and mortar open shop because generally the people who come into the bookstore are looking to spend you know most of our paperbacks are six seven five six seven bucks so when you got something in there that's well these are all five six seven dollars this one's two hundred dollars it's a little like people generally that that's not really the audience so we, we expanded into selling the rare books online and doing book fairs and things like that and it just turned Turned out that that dealing with the rare books, dealing with the other people in the industry, doing the research, um, writing the catalogs, things like that, just is something I'm really interested in. That that has turned into kind of a another passion for me. So these days, Francis mostly kind of runs the front of the house. They they run the sort of used bookstore part of the bookstore, and I do the the rare books and I answer, you know, queries. I, I do book fairs, not this 
past year because of the pandemic. But I, I, I specialize more in, in that. I, I hope that answers the question. It just sort of yes. organically happened and turned out to be something that I love. That is super cool. Would you mind? I think you talked about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just in case we have some listeners that don't know, what are the qualifiers or what do you look for that makes it a rare book? Sure. So one thing I will point to it. So uh, if I can go briefly off topic at the beginning of the pandemic, when we thought this was going to like last a couple of weeks and we were only going to have to be closed for a couple of weeks, Mm -hmm. um, Francis and I started a Substack blog called VOOB, the virtual uncharted books experience. And it's a lot of fun and you can go check it out for free now, but that was sort of a like, we'll do this and people will subscribe to sort of like, you know, to to tide us over for a couple of weeks until we can reopen. That ended up not obviously not being enough, but one of the first blog entries I wrote on that was uh, kind of an explainer for what kind of my process and what I I look for in a rare book and kind of what makes it rare. So if anybody wants a a more detailed answer to that question, uh, you guys should should look up the virtual Uncharted Books experience and you can read the the post that's called Tanner's Rare Book Mysteries Number One. But to give sort of a, uh, a quicker answer to that, so what I consider to be a rare book is something that is both um, scarce and in demand. So it's, it's a marketplace, the same as the same as anything else. Right. Um, So if I write down my grocery list uh, on a piece of paper, that, that is a scarce item. It is a one of a kind piece of early 21st century ephemera, but it is not in demand. Nobody wants it. Therefore it is not rare versus uh, a lot of the books that we sell in in the bookstore, like a paperback, but like, Neil Gaiman or something like that sells crazy, sells, sells great. As soon as we get it out, it flies off the shelf, but it's not scarce. It's in demand, but it's not scarce. So, mm-hmm. so it kind of needs to be both of those things. Um, a lot of times that can take the form of antique books or signed books, first editions. One of the most exciting things to find is archival material. So like letters or photographs or things like that, that are, that are unique but but yeah, it's 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 completely subjective is the thing is there's not a you know, there, there certainly are lists of like, you know, for book collectors, these are, you know, 100 first editions that you that every book collector should own and things like that. But we're, we're pretty small potatoes in the rare book industry. So a lot of it is just sort of uh, the, the processes when people donate things, Francis goes through them to, to price them and put them on the shelves. And if there's stuff that they think looks like it might be for me, they bring it back here and I look, look through it and do a little research. And if it is, you know, has some value to it beyond what would, what would normally be put on the shelves, or if it's like odd or niche or esoteric enough that it's not likely to sell in our regular stock, even if it's only, you know, 10 or 15 bucks, I'll, I'll put that up with the rare stuff. But yeah, we've got, you know, the, the quote rare books are between $15. And I think the most expensive thing I've got is like $12,000. Oh my goodness. And it goes everything in between everything in between those. Do you know what book is $12,000? I do. I can uh, show it to you, actually, if you're interesting. And it, it, yes. it's uh, okay. It's the uh, it's it's archival material. So the stuff that's that's really expensive. It's some it's some letters from um, Stephen Crane, who wrote Red Badge of Courage. Yeah. To um, a guy named Albert Hubbard. I have a bunch of Hubbard stuff. Uh, he was a uh, a leader in the like arts and crafts movement in the early 20th century. He had a a like commune in upstate New York called Roycrofters. 
Um, and they published a bunch of really cool stuff. And he he was sort of a, an influencer of the of the era. And and he and his his friends are kind of the people who helped Stephen Crane's career along when he was first getting started. And so this is basically some letters from Stephen Crane thanking him. Oh my goodness, uh, for, that is amazing. For getting his career started, yeah. So that's that's the most valuable thing that I've got. Wow, that sounds super cool. <laughs> it's really cool. Yeah, you need so uh, another another adage that I that I've heard from some of my colleagues that I think is a good. Uh, this is a little bit off topic, but w- when it comes to sort of pricing and and picking out rare books, is that like in in the internet age, this was not really the case prior to the internet. Um, if you want to be able to sell a rare book, it has to have like one of three qualifications. It has to be either the best copy of this book, the cheapest copy of that book, or the only copy of that, right? Because otherwise, you know, someone's going to have, you know, in the internet, you have access to everybody who's selling them. So you're going to either buy the one that's the least expensive or the one that's the nicest or the one that there's just no no others than. So that's something I also try to look at, um, you know, and and will certainly make my decisions easier. I'm more likely to want to take or purchase or or catalog something that's completely unique, you know, letters, things like that, just because there's no, there's no, competition on it i don't have to beat someone else's price on that and even if it turns out to be you know not not super in demand i I, i'm generally looking for things like that yeah that makes sense or what sorts of places do you go do you find a lot of these rare books online or um so during during the pandemic it's different because we couldn't i I didn't really get to go scouting at all it's mostly um things that people brought in and there's a lot of sales between book dealers because some of us have specialties we we don't really have a specialty but for example a, a colleague of mine who specializes in like medical history stuff ended up getting a bunch of these like early Western Americana books, like Wild West, Lewis and Clark stuff that he, he didn't, he doesn't have a market for that. So he was selling those to another bookseller for really cheap. And I, and I purchased a lot of that towards the beginning of the pandemic to just sort of like beef up our inventory and, and go through that. So, so lately I've been buying mostly from other sellers or things that people have just happened to bring in. In normal times, uh, a lot of what I'll do is I'll go to like estate sales mm-hmm. or library sales. The uh, the Newberry Library Sale in Chicago is a great, great place to get some incredible stuff for very cheap. That's generally where where I get things, but it's it's always changing. I, I, I just yeah. kind of have my eyes open. That's um, super you know, cool. Pe- people will every once in a while contact us with like a grandma or a relative or someone has passed away. Do we want to come look at their book collection? And like we're like I said, we're real small potatoes. I can't I can't afford to spend that much. I don't have a lot of disposable income. Ba- basically, when I sell some books, that money goes right back into buying more books. More books. Yeah. So it's 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 sort of like a Ponzi scheme, but I am both the <laughs> the, the person running the scheme and the victim. <laughs> um, you really got yourself stuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the thing is, it's fun. It's just yeah. fun. It, I I I, rec- I don't recommend getting into this business if you think you could do anything else. If like you think that you would have any, you know, you have an interest or a talent in anything that is not antiquarian books, you should do the other thing because okay. it's a lot of work and it's really hard <laughs> and uh, you don't make much money. But it's really fun if it happens to be something you love. Well, I mean, you've convinced me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, is there like? 
I don't know, a rare book that's super popular, like a book people maybe ask for? Or, I mean, so books that, rare books that will always sell pretty quickly are going to be modern first editions. So like 20th century first editions of classic books like Catcher in the Rye or To Kill a Mockingbird, that that type of thing. Uh, And those are, that's just where a lot of the demand is. That's what to a lot of people that is in their mind, what they think of when they think of a rare book. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it, it appeals to kind of a broader audience. Uh, so if you get something like that, that will usually sell really quickly. There's not like a specific thing. I mean, we have, it, it, it depends on the seller in the marketplace. Like we sell a lot of Chicago history type stuff and like Chicago cultural stuff because we're in yeah. Chicago. Whereas somebody, you know, I, I, I will buy Chicago material pretty frequently from other booksellers who aren't in Chicago and have no way of selling. You know, nobody yeah. wants this, that stuff when they're in New York. We also sell to um, institutions. so libraries, universities, archives, things like that. That That is probably where those Stephen Crane letters that I was talking about will end up going. Yeah. Um, is is to somebody, you know, who has like some, some university that has a big collection of Stephen Crane things or Albert Hubbard things. So that's that's another big marketplace. You, you know, when you get something that's unique, you know, a, a, a lot of stuff does go from just I listed online in a couple of different marketplaces. But the the more expensive or the more unique items, you kind of have to go looking for a customer. Um, okay, that makes sense. I don't even think about it's hard. <laughs> Univ- yeah. Hard to do. Yeah, universities buying mm-hmm. things, but that totally makes sense. I don't know why I didn't yeah, even. A lot, a lot of university libraries will have like a few things that they have an, an archive for. You know, some author artist who attended that university or is from that area, and they'll they'll collect things from that person. Um, and that's they have, very you know, cool. a budget, an acquisitions budget. So that's that's something you don't think about too much. Unless you're in your field. <laughs> That's true. Very niche. Yes, it is. It, it, niche <laughs> is the word for my field. <laughs> but, I, but I also, I, I'm like 30 years younger than most of the other rare booksellers. And so I, it, it's a little bit interesting to come into it with a more millennial perspective. Because mm-hmm. a lot of my colleagues are, are selling to some very like wealthy, older folks who sure. you know they they've been in the industry for ages mm-hmm. and they they have these contacts and they know when they get something in they're like well I know who to call about this I know who wants this immediately whereas you know I'm not I'm not coming in with a lot of contacts from people my age or don't have a lot of disposable income for the most part and and a lot of what I've tried to do is make rare book collecting something that is interesting and affordable and accessible for younger people because it is like it really is uh i would say the majority of what we have is really really cool stuff for like under 50 bucks if you ever buy like a new hardcover book that just came out for full price you can totally afford to get into like antique book collecting we we do have a lot of expensive stuff but you know if it's a like modern author a like signed first edition of their book is probably not going to be much more than just like buying a new hardcover of it you know, it's it kind of nice to have something on your your shelf that's like a meaningful kind of significant copy, and it's not generally it's not that much unless you want Stephen Crane's handwriting. It's not <laughs> that expensive to like get some really cool stuff. I've got a book from fifteen seventy three that is not that much money. 
Wow. So like you can get some cool, weird stuff. That is that super cool. Do you have, a, oh, yeah, Julia's convinced. She's ready. She's like, all right, time to start. Yeah, it's fun. I, and, and just like uh, chat with me if you want to like off mic or something about what you're interested in. And I bet I can find you some really cool, pretty cheap stuff. Okay. That is right. awesome. Something's happening here today. Make, make friends <laughs> with booksellers, guys. We We have a lot to offer. They really do for like really good booksellers know how to help you in mm-hmm. any way. I truly believe and that's, that. And that's something that I think people appreciate because you can't really get that with Amazon. I, I think a lot of what we try to do besides just the curation is we try to have personality and opinions and point of view. And if you come into our store, we will talk with you and we will help you find something. You know, We may not have specifically the book you came in looking for because we're used books and we don't have everything. But we'll, I, I can pretty much guarantee you we'll find you something you've never heard of that you like. I do feel every time I've come to Uncharted and a few other like indie bookstores in Chicago, I always get really good recommendations and really good help. And it's just not something I even get always at like Barnes and Noble. They just like don't always know that's that's what my favorite about. compliment to get about the bookstore <laughs> is that is that we give good recommendations. Cause that's that really is what it is. Cause a lot of the bookstore, it really is kind of me and Francis. And like it's it, it it's very personal. Like it's it's not corporate. It is it is an extension of kind of our tastes and our personalities. So it feels like a nice compliment. And then if we ever get like four stars on Yelp instead of five, we lose our minds because <laughs> we, we don't know what what did we do to lose that other star. You know, we take everything very personally. We're very we're very sensitive people. Um, it's very it's very easy to hurt our feelings. Please don't tweet at us. Um, <laughs> Okay, I don't want to change subjects, but I believe yeah. I just heard Ramona in the background. <laughs> you, heard, you heard a yes, you, yes. <sighs> Francis was telling us that Ramona has a very long name. Will you yes. tell us so, Ramona's name? <laughs> certainly. So Ramona is my dog. Her full name is Ramona Flowers Quimby, age eight, Adams McAdams McSwain. Uh, she has many influences. Uh, <laughs> she's a very good dog. She's been with the bookstore since the beginning. We got her like less than a month after we opened in 2012. And so she's been a bookstore dog the whole time since she was a puppy. She was about six months old when we got her. Oh. And I generally spend about 24 hours a day with her. I could do an entire interview just on how great Ramona is. So I, I don't know how detailed you guys want to get. Oh my goodness. I mean, I don't want you to feel like you have to tell us more, but <laughs> I love well, it. I don't even know, dude, I don't even know where to start. Do you guys have pets? Yes. yes. What, what do y'all have? I have a dog. Um, he's a, a quarantine baby. I got him last May. What's his name? Gulliver. That's so cute. Thank you. What kind of dog? He is a Puggle Mountain Cur mix. He kind of looks like I a... I don't know what a Mountain Cur is. Um, They're kind of like Brindle Labs. Oh, nice. Essentially. He looks like a Brindle Beagle. All legs. Real cutie. <laughs> what about you, Julia? I have a cat that is named Leonardo DiCadio. Yeah! <laughs> Love it. Um, he is a Bengal tabby mix. And I actually just got him like three. I adopted him almost four months ago, I think. Aww. Yeah, I got him a week before my birthday. Oh. And he's like three years old. The big birthday and boy. Once he got comfortable, he just yells at me all the time. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Ramona has 
some some cat siblings at home as well. We've got, we we also have a tabby named Pete, and we have I don't know how to describe Margot. I don't know. It's kind of like tortoise shell colored. I think she is a type of tabby. And a calico color. We also have a quarantine baby. We got Eli, who is a black cat. We got him because we were in quarantine. Yeah, and so Ramona grew up with cats and kind of is very cat like. Like she's she's kind of aloof, and you know the best way to get her to pay attention to you is to ignore her and like turn your back to her, and then and then she's interested in you. But if you if you want it too much, she can sense that, and she's like, no, I'm too good for this. <laughs> Tell us. Okay, one so one story. one thing is uh, one of her many many nicknames is she's the Chicago style hot dog because <laughs> she only likes to be in the city and she's always a little too hot. She's husky. She's got a big big fluffy coat. And the reason she got this name was because when I first had her, I tried to take her to Starved Rock uh, State Park when you know a couple years after i got her so I'm like she's gonna love this it's a it's a cool outdoor adventure we get to like climb mountains we're gonna make a whole day of it i don't get that many days off when i take this day off and uh you know i've got her her little like portable water dish and i've got my my notebook i'm gonna find a spot where i can write and sit and she can romp around and enjoy the nature and i have never seen any creature hate anything more than she hated being in nature she just, <laughs> She just despised it. And like at one point there was this little shallow creek, maybe maybe like a quarter of an inch deep, uh, but it was like wide enough that you couldn't jump across us. So you're going to have to like walk through it. Mm-hmm. She's going to have to get her little paws with that. And she, if I had been stabbing her to death, I don't think she could have screamed more than she did and like resisted and like pull, like pushing and pull. Like everybody around just thought I was torturing this up because she didn't want to get her, her prissy little paws wet. Oh my God. Anyway, she hated it. We ended up staying for like 45 minutes. I was planning to be there for like six hours. And like, but she just would not just would she wouldn't lay down in the dirt she wouldn't she just would like pace and whine at me and make these pitiful eyes like i finally screw it we'll just go home we got her we got her uh went through a drive-through and got her a, a pup cup from culver's and that was that was the one thing she enjoyed so yeah she's just she's just a character man she's my best friend i just really like oh. We I mean, like we spend pretty much all day every day together. We, we're very rarely apart, so we we've got a good a good rapport. That is amazing. I need to find a way to get a That's job where my dog can just come with me. <laughs> I, I recommend it. I recommend it. Yes, it's great. Um. Well, Tanner, sort of our final question before we give you a chance to say anything else about Uncharted. <laughs> what is your all-time favorite book? Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. Oh my goodness, you were ready. If you were to ask me my second and third favorite books, I would have a really hard time. But that's, that's, since I was a kid, that's been my favorite. Um, I remember being, like, my parents read books to me when I was a kid uh, a lot. And that one I was always obsessed with. And it made me, like, get obsessed with pirates and adventure. And, like, a lot of, kind of, the aesthetic of the bookstore is this kind of, like, old-timey classic adventure vibe, Mm -hmm. which a lot of that comes from my love of that i i think it's it's a quick easy read if you've never read it it holds up uh i it is in my opinion the most like perfectly paced book of all time there's not a word wasted you know it's it's kind of for kids uh so it'll take you a couple hours to read the whole thing and it's just great every uh pirate cliche that you have from the parrot on the shoulder to the peg leg all was like originated in that book 
Wow. It's so interesting. I'm, I'm a little bit obsessed with Robert Louis Stevenson. I don't collect a lot of stuff for myself. Most of what I get, I, I, you know, price to resell, but I do collect Robert Louis Stevenson stuff. He's, he's my favorite. He's uh, an interesting guy. Oh, I have never read it. So I'm adding it to my list. You should. It, it will take you no time at all. It is super easy to read. It's going to get read. I'm pretty excited. It's I've... very fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. If, if there's any part of you that likes adventure stories, it is to me kind yes. of the platonic ideal of an adventure story. Yeah. Then it needs to be read. I love mm-hmm. adventure mm-hmm. stories. Well, there you go. <laughs> Have you read um, the Patrick O'Brien Mastering Commander books? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Then you'll love Treasure Island. Okay. Treasure, Treasure Island is, yeah, it's it's... That is like the I don't I don't even know how to how to make the connection, but it, it very heavily influenced. O'Brien was very heavily influenced. By oh, okay, amazing. Yeah, those those books I I also really love those. It, it took me a little while to get through the first one just because I didn't know any of the ship language, and he never like tries to. Uh, we're talking about Master and Commander. He, you know, O'Brien never attempts to explain what he's right. talking about, what any of these terms mean. And and when I started out, I would try to look up what the hell he was talking about and try to try to follow it but i eventually figured out the way to read those books is just it's like watching a foreign film without subtitles you just let it let it wash over let you. it happen yeah, yeah you just let it happen to you and you'll you'll kind of get the gist of what they're talking about it's great i love that series yeah that was one of the first series i read like you said where there's no like explanation there was like no yeah. exposition sort of yeah. it was just like this is the world you're in enjoy have, um have you read a fantasy series by naomi novik called her majesty's dragon no she's more known recently she did uprooted uprooted yeah thank you that's that's what she's better known for but her first series was she she was a fanfic writer in the like master and commander fanfic community okay and so her majesty's dragon is basically the napoleonic wars but with dragons it it started out as a a fanfic in that series but with fantasy elephants it's really interesting Um, i'm looking that up i think yeah i think if you like if you like fantasy and you like the the kind of patrick o'brien style it's a it's an interesting mesh of that she was kind of one of the first like mainstream writers that came from the fanfic community oh very cool yeah we are big fantasy over here any last things that you want to say about uncharted bookstore maybe where they can find the rare books yeah to so what what should i say about the bookstore so we are an open bookstore uh we are at 5140 north clark street in chicago it's in andersonville uh if if you know your area it's like by hopleaf um we are open uh currently our hours we're open every day except monday from 11 to 7 for the rare books uh you're going to want to go to our website unchartedbooks.com and you can click the buy online tab and that'll have all my catalog entries we just put out in december our first like official rare book catalog uh with lots of pictures and commentary it's i think it's pretty interesting to flip through even if you're not like intending to buy anything it's it's something that we worked really hard on and to, to make it a kind of engaging little book. So check that out on our website. The rare books, a lot of them, if you see something you like, most of them are kept at the bookstore in a uh, separate room, but not all of them. So if there's something you want to take a look at, give us a call or an email in advance uh, just to make sure it's there. Otherwise, I can bring it from my home. Tanner, thank you so, so much for taking the time 
to meet with us today. No, we're great. Thank you so much for having me on. Y'all are y'all are great folks. I love chatting about books and you're going to give me a big head making me talk about myself so much and in the <laughs> bookstore. But it's like, I don't know. I, I appreciate it. Thank, thank you for, for doing what y'all are doing. Love to come back anytime or just chat anytime. That would be wonderful. We'd love to oh have you gosh. again. Yes. Cool. This was delightful. This was so much fun. Yes, we had such a great time. Thank yeah. you so much. We're Go definitely going to keep in touch. Bye. Bye Bye. Well, Julia, I want to know, what is your dream rare book? Oh my gosh. So I was thinking about that as we were listening to him talk. I was like, oh my gosh. Because then he was like, well, talk to me off mic and we can like get you hooked up. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to ask for? So my immediate thought was Peter Pan. Ooh, Right. But then I was like, well, I mean, yes, I do like Peter Pan, but I really just like fairy tales in general. Mm -hmm. And I've always wanted to start collecting Andrew Lang's fairy books. And I used to have like a really old Hans Christian Andersen, but I don't know where that is. So I would love to get one of those back or like a really old Grimm's fairy tale. So yeah. really just like a super old fairy tale collection would make my day. What about you? My immediate thought is like a first edition of Little Women. <gasps> Ooh. I'm, I might have to give it more thought, but right now I'm pretty set on that being like my choice. Heck yeah. That's awesome. Can I change my app? My choice? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You want Little Women too? <laughs> You little women, please. Or do you want little men? (laughs) The unknown sequel. (laughs) Oh my gosh. For our listeners, if you guys are interested in Uncharted at all, I am attaching their website and their phone number to the episode description. In addition, you can get a link to their Instagram via our Instagram. What? Oh, so check it out. Support them, you guys. They are super cool. We had a great time talking to them today on our podcast. We did. They were awesome. Without further ado, Julia, I guess we heckin' did it. That felt really, really fast. Thanks so much for listening, you guys. Yeah, and thank you so much to Tanner and Francis for joining us. Um, I'm so glad to have met them. Uh, If you like what you heard and you want more content just like it, subscribe to our Patreon. You get a peek at our book notes, and each month we have a super fun, extra special episode about the novel kinds we're currently, novel finds we're currently reading. (laughs) We also do a monthly Q&A session where we answer all of your questions. You can literally ask us anything. Email us your questions at novelfindspodcast at gmail.com. You can also submit your questions on our Patreon. You guys, our first Q&A session and our first Novel Find session are up on our Patreon. So check them out. Yes. And if you need even more bookish content in your life, please follow us on Instagram at Novel Finds Podcast. Our email, Patreon, and Instagram handle can be found in our bio. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you all in two weeks. Thank you.